Uh, if you got your Bible, you can pull it out. Um, it will be a little difficult to follow me. We're going to go to a lot of verses uh, today. Um, so we'll have them on the screen uh, for you so that you can follow along. Uh, if you're taking notes, uh, you can write down my message title today, Victory is Yours. Uh, today we're going to talk about how to find victory uh, in this life. And so um, today... I have the privilege and the honor to have my younger brother, Jonathan, uh, here today. Please say, yes, thank you. He's uh, Alabama, right? Alabama, Bama, Bama town, okay? There's not a lot of Bama fans in here, I tell you that. Ohio State, Ohio State, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, you got some booze, oh, man. But as they say in the South, They'll say, you're about to have some down-home cooking. So look at your neighbor say, you're about to have some down-home cooking today, okay? Say, you're about to have some down-home cooking, okay? Now, last week, I know the cooking was more like broccoli, carrots, peas, vegetables. You know, last week, that's kind of the message. This week, today, is going to be kind of like pot roast, okay? Doesn't pot roast sound good? Just like a nice stew, you know, warm chili. I know it's kind of hot for warm chili. How many of you are like calling in fall already in Jesus' name? You're like, you're like bringing it in. You're like, I want it. How many of you want a vanilla pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks? I saw, I saw this thing on social media yesterday. It was this car that crashed into uh, Starbucks, and it said, oh, what did it say? It said, um, how white girls react when fall it comes around, you know? Just crazy for fall. I mean, there's a, there's a house in our neighborhood that is 100% decorated for fall and Halloween already. I'm like, good for you. Like, way to go, you know? But today is going to be um, just a real good meat and potatoes message uh, our mission here at Elevate Church is to feed, tend, and love people. And part of feeding people, we believe that it really matters to every man, woman, boy, girl, child, no matter what season of life you are in, we feel like it's our job, our responsibility to feed you the Word of God so that you can find truth and that you can find victory. And that's something that's really big in our hearts. Finding truth in 2018. There's not a lot of truth. There's a lot of gray. There's a lot of, you know, we don't know exactly where we stand on issues. But the problem is, is the Word of God declares where we as the church stand on issues. And so we have to find truth. We have to feed our soul so that we can find victory in our marriages, our relationships, our jobs, our finances. God wants us all to find true victory. So I believe today Jesus wants to feed your soul to find, find victory. Okay. So I have this basketball uh, with me today. Um, at my house, we have probably 50 different balls, okay, or basketballs. Uh, we always have a basketball hoop up in our living room. There's always some kind of game of basketball going on. Basketball is kind of a religion in our house. It's just what we do at our house. And um, one of the things with my oldest son, Michael, that is now 13, uh, I have trained him since he was like three years old on how to shoot a basketball, okay? Now, everybody shoots a basketball a hundred different ways, but 
for, you know, like professional basketball players, there's a correct way to shoot a basketball. And so ever since he was little, like, you know, most kids will like try to push the ball or they'll try to throw the ball or they'll kind of like sidearm the ball or something like that. And I mean, from the time Michael was three years old, I was like, you are going to bend your knees. You're going to put the ball in the pocket. You're going to bring the ball up to your head. You're going to come up. You're going to follow through. You're going to put your hand in the cookie jar and you're going to see the ball go in. Okay. Now he's 13. Okay. So now, when his shot gets a little off, you know, just sees the repercussions, you know, because I'm out in the, you know, cul-de-sac yelling at him. I'm like, I'm like, why's the ball at your mouth? I'm like, the ball doesn't go to your mouth. The ball goes to your head. I'm like, you should always touch the same spot in your head. And he's like, Dad. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. I, I want to shoot how I want to shoot. And I'm like, no, you got to shoot the same way every single time. You've got to learn how to be consistent. It's got to become like muscle memory, the same shot over and over and over again. And like, we will go round and round about this topic because I'm trying to put into him what? Fundamentals, okay? I'm trying to put into him consistency. Okay, and so I want to talk about consistency a little bit today, okay, because I believe that God wants us to have really great kingdom of God fundamentals, and I believe he wants us to find consistency in our relationship with God so that we can find victory in our life. And so the Hebrew word for consistency is ekvi, okay, it means, it means this, to follow somebody following the footsteps in the heel prints. Okay, so if you can imagine if we went to the beach and somebody's walking on the beach and you can see their footprints or we're in the snow. When we lived in Michigan, we had a lot of snow and when fresh snow would lay down, you could see footprints of animals or people all through the snow. And so the idea is this, is that Jesus is walking ahead of us and we can see his footprints, and as followers of Jesus, we can go, there's his footprints. How many know that in life, there's a lot of moments where we go, God, I don't quite know where we're going. Anybody felt that before? Okay, I, I know I have. There's been seasons and times where you're like, God, we need to get to the promised land. And I don't know how to get to the promised land. And I don't really know where we're going. And I'm just a little confused right now. And the whole time Jesus is going, just look at my footprints. I just need you to see my footprints and put your foot in that footprint and put that foot in that footprint and put that foot in that footprint. And this is what the Hebrew word for consistency is meaning, meaning that Jesus is going before us and we're going, okay, wherever you go, is where I'm going to go, right? I'm going to learn how to be consistent in following you. John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of this world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, okay? Meaning this, that you don't have to kind of stumble through life, okay? You don't have to kind of Feel your way, you know, like at night when I wake up, because I don't know what is going on with me. I need prayer, but I'm waking up like seven times a night to go to the bathroom, okay? And like every time I wake up, I'm always like, okay, 
I can't step on the toy that I just stepped on like, you know, 45 minutes ago, you know? And so you're like kind of stumbling through the dark. You're trying to make your way to the bathroom and get back into the bed. This is the worst thing. The other night, I thought I was closer to the bed than I was. And I kind of just like hopped and then just like totally hit the floor. And uh, I was just like, thank you, Jesus, you know? So Jesus is saying, I don't want you to stumble through this life. I want you to follow me, and I am the light of this world, and I will shine light into this world, and you can follow me so you don't have to be blinded, okay? John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. God's calling us sheep, okay? I'm like, really, God? We couldn't be like a golden retriever, you know what I mean? Could we be like something better than a sheep? You know, sheep get lost all the time, sheep do what they want all the time. So obviously Jesus knew what he was talking about when he called the sheep. And he said, my sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me. They follow my voice. Jesus wants us to become consistent in following him. And so what did he leave for us? He left the Bible for us. Okay. I don't know if you've recognized this yet in your um, journey of following Jesus, but the enemy fights us hard to not read the Word of God, okay? The enemy fights us hard to not crack open our Bibles. The enemy fights us hard to go, ah, man, Netflix feels a whole lot better right now than the Word of God. Why? Because he knows that Jesus left us a map, okay? So if we went on a trip, and I remember growing up uh, with my family, we'd go to North Dakota for Christmas every year, and it was a 17-hour journey in a old, like, Buick Regal, you know, like, four of us in the back seat, like, touching, fighting each other, you know? But I remember my parents, they had a map. Do you remember, like, old-school maps? And you had to have that map to try to figure out where you're going. Listen, the Word of God is a road map for our life, a map to find victory because God wants us to have consistency because he understands this. In basketball, if my shot is consistent all the time, like I love this about um, like Steph Curry. Not a Steph Curry fan, but if you watch Steph Curry's shot, it is the same thing repetitively over and over and over again. The same motion, he's on his toes, he's following through, the same, same, same consistency. So in basketball, when I am consistent, when the game comes or the pressure moment comes, it's okay, right? Because it's like, you know what? I've shot thousands of shots over and over and over again. And there is muscle memory in me that in that moment of pressure, I'm going to react the right way. Correct? Okay. So it's the same thing here, Jess, can I give that to you? It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. When we have core fundamentals with Jesus, it leads to success. Correct? Okay. When we have biblical fundamentals. Let's, let's make this abundantly clear because we all grow up in different houses. We all grow up in different church settings. We all grow up in different religious ideas and theories, okay? And so often people will go, um, isn't such and such in the Bible? And I'll be like, no, that sounds like your mom or your grandma. You know what I mean? Like that was your grandma that told you that growing up. I, it's not really in the Bible. So we have to have fundamentally 
biblical truth that we can build a consistent life on so that we can have core fundamentals that lead to success. Because the reality is this, bad fundamentals always lead to failure, always. So we're going to try to build some muscle memory into our faith. Does that make sense? So that when sickness comes, we don't go, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Right? So when sickness comes, we go, oh, no, no, no. I have faith muscle memory. I know exactly what the word of God says about sickness. Or when financial strain comes. You know when financial strain comes to my house, you know what I say? No, nope. no, nope. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says that, that when I sow and I put his kingdom first and I am sowing my life into him, that he brings abundance to me. So I know that it looks like I have a deficiency right now, but I have no deficiency because my God is for me. He's not against me. And I know the word of God and I will stand upon the word of God and he will be faithful to fulfill the word of God. Amen. So we need fundamentals in our faith journey. Okay. We're going to go through a bunch of verses right now. Okay. Matthew chapter four. Okay. Matthew chapter four, verse eight through 11. It says the next day, the devil took him meeting Jesus to a peak, a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Why? Because the devil is the king of this world. You want to know why there's destruction and sickness and disease? Because he is the king of this world. You can go to Genesis and you can look at, look at the truth. Adam and Eve were given the deed to this world to manage, have authority in this world. What did they do? They signed that deed over to the enemy when they chose to eat of the apple. Okay? I know there's a lot of theology right there. Okay? So the king of the world. So the devil is saying to Jesus, would you like this back? Would you like the kingdoms of the world? Would you like the glory of this world back? You can have it back, okay? Verse 9, I will give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. What is the enemy looking for always is worship. That is the whole reason, the whole reason that he got frustrated with God was that he was a worship leader in heaven, bringing worship to God. Everybody is worshiping the Lord, but he wanted the worship. He wanted the glory. So here's the crux of everything. He's going, I'll give it all back to you if you just worship me. Verse 10, Jesus says, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Verse 11, the devil then went away. So first scenario, we see that Jesus has victory over Satan and the power that Satan has. Luke chapter 4, verse 38 says, after leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's house where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. They said, please heal her, everyone begged. Verse 39, standing by her bedside, he rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Verse 40, when sundown went down that evening, people through the village brought their sick family members to Jesus, no matter what their disease was. I'm pretty sure that God wanted that line in the Bible. It's not there by accident. It is there on purpose. God wants you to know, no matter what the disease was, no matter what you face in your body in this life, no matter what it is, it says this, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Jesus is showing you that I'm a God who heals. 
I'm a God who restores. Verse 41, many who were possessed by demons, okay, possessed by demons, and then the demons came out with a commanding shout saying, you are the son of God. So Jesus is showing us what? He has victory over sickness, and he has victory over demonic activity in this life. And I know we don't like to talk about that. I mean, and the moment you say demons and demonic stuff in church, people start getting like, oh my gosh, where are we going? What is going to happen? Okay. Listen, we, uh, we have to understand if there's a heaven, there's a hell. Okay. These are two forces that are constantly fighting for your soul. This is what the book of Galatians says, that they are fighting constantly, warring for your soul. There are two different worlds. Mark chapter two, verse four, it says this, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowds. They're talking about a man. They're trying to get to Jesus. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, you would think the Bible would say, seeing their faith that Jesus heals the paralyzed man. No, Jesus says something completely different. Jesus says to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Later on in the story, we do see the man roll up his mat and he is uh, totally healed and from his paralyzed situation. What is Jesus showing us? He has victory over sin and he has the ability to receive and give grace to us in this life. Okay, I'm building a case right now. Luke chapter 9, verse 13 through 17. But Jesus said, you feed them. So Jesus and the disciples, they're ministering to a large, large group of people. All the people are hungry. Jesus says to them, you feed them. Basically, he says, hey, Ryan, all these hungry people, you feed them. You take care of them. You love them. You meet their needs, Ryan. Okay? Their response was, but we only have five loaves and two fish. Right? Doesn't it sound like us as humans with God all the time? God asks us to step out in faith and trust him and to do something great for his kingdom. We go, but God, but God, we don't have enough. Our house is too small. We don't have enough time. But God, right? God, we only have five loaves and two fish, they answered. Or do you expect us to go and buy enough food to feed this whole crowd? Verse 14 for the crowd was about 5,000 men, meaning it wasn't 5,000 men. It was 5,000 men, their wives, and their children. So we're talking probably over 15,000 people. And the disciples are looking at Jesus like, are you serious? And this is what Jess was talking about in worship. The place that God takes us to where we are just drowning. And we're going, how are we going to do this? And God goes, oh, I never expected you to do it in your strength. I expected you to do it in my strength in my grace, okay? And this is what the word says. Jesus replied to them, set them down in groups of 50. Verse 15, so that all the people sat down. Verse 16, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked to the heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute, uh, give it out to the people. Verse 17, they all ate as much as they wanted. See that? They all ate as much as they wanted. What is the Lord showing us? He's a God who provides good gifts, good things to his people. He knows what your needs are, and he wants you to be blessed to be a blessing in this life. Amen? So Jesus is showing us what? Victory over lack 
any deficiency, okay? So Jesus is showing us what? I have total victory and authority over everything you will face in this life. No matter what you'll go through in this life, if it's sickness, if it's lack, whatever it is, I have victory and I reign above it all. Amen? Okay? That should get us excited in our souls. Jesus is the picture. I don't know if you remember this, but when I was growing up, we would get the Sears catalog, the J.C. Penney catalog. Catalogs would come into the mail, and you would look through the catalog, and you would go, oh, my gosh, look at the Nintendo that's coming out. You know, I need Super Mario Brothers, and I need Duck Hunt, and I need the gun. But that catalog was a picture of things that you could have. Correct? And when you saw that you could have that, you saw it with your eyes, it gave you hope that, man, I could have that someday. See, this is what the Word of God is. Jesus is the picture of the life that we can have. He is the picture of the life that God is calling us to. He's saying, listen, I understand that you are not living in total victory in your life, but I promise you, if you trust me, I can get you there. Just look at me as the example. I'm the picture for your soul. John 10.10 says this, that the thief's purpose is to come steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give rich, satisfying life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. But thanks to God who always leads us into triumph through Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that you have somebody that gives you uh, victory over sin? Aren't you glad that even though you're struggling in some areas of your life, that there is hope, that there is a day that you won't struggle with that sin, you won't struggle with that addiction, you won't struggle with that pain anymore through Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says this, Yet all things are more. Uh, it says this, Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors. Amen. God has called us to conquer and reign in this life. Psalms chapter 34, verse 19, it says this, The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue every single time. What does that mean? You're going to have troubles, but you should have total peace. People around you should be able to look at your life and go, I don't understand how they're so strong in this moment. I don't understand how they have peace in this moment. And you go, well, Psalms 34, 19 says that even though I have troubles, the Lord comes to my rescue, not every once in a while. <laughs> Isn't that great how the Lord said that? That it's not as he chooses or picks. No, Every single time he is for you. He's for you. I don't know what kind of theology you grew up with that gave you any type of thought that God wouldn't save you or love you or be with you or have grace for you. But I know what the Bible says, that he is for you. Okay. I don't know if you believe it. Okay. You know, because some of you are mean mugging me right now. You're like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about this word of God stuff, you know. Don't know about this truth thing. I don't know if God is really this good. Well, maybe he is really this good. 
Maybe God really wants to show you his goodness and his kindness for you. Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says this. Not one promise of God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. We're driving this morning to church. I'm talking to my brother about when we started the church in the teen center where we do kids now. And I was telling him about that season and that time. And I was just thinking in my head, man, isn't this verse true? Nothing is impossible for God because there is no way that we should have ever grown a church in the Edge Teen Center. Amen. Okay. But God is good. He is faithful. He knows what he's doing in my life and in your life. So what is God doing in us. He's saying, listen, I want you to know what my purpose is for your life. And he's saying, my purpose for your life is what? It's victory. Live in victory. Everything I've read you today from the word of God is what? God going, I want you to find victory. Philippians chapter four, verse 13, it says this, I can do all things which he has called me to do. What's God called you to do? It's a good question, isn't it? Like, is God's purpose in our life just for us to, like, just attend church? Like, that's the mission. Like, we're just called to, like, just go to church and be good church people, you know? And I hope if I show up enough, I get enough stars on the board, you know what I mean? And I'll get to go to the prize bin in heaven and pick out something out of the prize bin in heaven, you know? And, uh, right? This is all of our thoughts growing up in church. Why are you on the planet? Why are you breathing? Why are you alive in this moment, in this time, in this season? Why did you come into this church on this day? I don't care if you've been here a hundred times or it's your first day today. God has a reason and a purpose that you are alive. And he's saying, I'm going to give you all the strength to do what I've called you to do in this life. It says, through him who strengthens and empowers us. Meaning God empowers us in this life. So you have to then look at your life and go, okay. What areas of my life have lack and deficiency in it? Right? Because this isn't the will of God. So let's talk about some areas that we could have deficiency in. Like, for instance, like money. And there's so many levels to money and finances, right? Okay, so we could have, you know, I have a deficiency. And I, had, I personally had this deficiency for a long time. I just didn't know how to manage money. Nobody taught me anything about that growing up. I just absolutely was the worst at managing money. Ask my wife. We were broke all the time. I had a lack, a deficiency in managing money. Maybe it's a, um, we don't agree together. There's so many couples that just don't do finances together and don't agree on the finances together. There's so many times where we just have a lack of finances or we have a lack of understanding as it relates to money. And God goes, listen, I have a plan for you to be the head and not the tail. I never, ever desire for you to struggle with finances. Let me make that abundantly clear. If you, are if you are struggling financially today, that was never God's will. What do you need? You need God's word to help you find out how to get victory in that area, right? That's, that's what me and my wife needed. We just needed God's truth to help us understand how do I manage my money? 
How do I manage what God has given me? Or we could take it in another direction. How about marriage? In marriage, we have issues communicating. Thank God. Can we just thank God for the marriage series coming up? Okay. Now, hey, let me, let me throw this out there. If, if you got kiddos, get your kids to kids' church during the marriage a uh, couple weeks, okay? Because I'm going to be real, okay? I'm sick and tired of, you know, growing up in church and you talk about marriage and you don't really talk about anything. It's kind of skirted around stuff. We're going to talk about things. Cause we, why? Because we got to learn how to communicate with each other, correct? We got we to gotta make sure that we have a healthy sex life in our marriage, correct? We got to make sure that we know how to raise children in our marriage, right? We can have lack of deficiencies in this area. Or how about friendships or relationships? How about relationships with family members? How many of you, like, today are thinking about a family member? You're like, oh, I could just choke them right now. You know what I mean? You're like, I could just, I could, I could run, I could run Susie over today with my car in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? Right? Or like, how, how, do we, how do we do friendship? How do we do relationship? Or, or, you know, how do I deal with my doubt? You know, there's a stat that Barna just did that said that there's probably 40% of all of you in here today and you're struggling to just believe if Jesus is real or not. It's like Thomas. Thomas had doubts. How do we deal with our doubts? How do we deal with our fears? How do we deal with our addictions? How do I deal with my Coke addiction? You know what I mean? Like, I'm fighting it every day. You know, McDonald's is on every corner. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know? I know you're like, no, seriously? Coke? Coca Cola? Yeah, not Coke. I'm not like doing lines of, I'm not, I'm not at home like snorting lines of Coke. Oh my gosh, this is a long day. You know? Oh, Jesus, help us. So dumb. So what is God saying? God's going, listen. In all areas of your life, I care about them. See, I think we have this idea growing up in church that, like, God only cares about the spiritual stuff. No, God, God cares about what you care about, what stresses you out, what brings anxiety to you. And he goes, I want you to have victory in this life. So if everything that I just read in the word was about victory, right? Every verse, every passage I just shared with you was that Jesus had victory and that Jesus wants us to have victory, correct? Right? So then why do we not live in total victory? right? It's got to cause you to go, why don't I have total victory in my life? And I want to talk about three different reasons that I think the enemy works our life really hard to keep us bound up and not having victory. Number one is this, okay? I choose to carry my burdens. I choose to carry what I'm stressed about. I choose to carry the stress of my marriage or the stress of my job or my boss. I choose to carry these things and internally stuff them down, right? Internally, we grow up with this idea that, you know what? Just fake it till you make it, right? Just put on a happy face, go about your day, try to pretend that it's not happening, stuff it way down, lock it, eat the key, and act like it doesn't exist. And God's going, no, 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 no. 
That is not what I have in store for your life. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 7, it says this. If you bow low in God's presence. So what's amazing about worship. You know what I love about worship? It doesn't have to happen on Sunday morning. I mean, somebody told me about how they're like starting their research to songs that we do on Sunday morning so they can play it at their house. Why? Because the presence of God will go anywhere. Wherever there's worship, the presence of God will come. Correct? So if there's worship in your car or your house or to shower, you know, like every morning I'm blaring worship music. I think it annoys Jess. Like every morning, it's the first thing I start with is worship music. And I'm in the shower and I'm just praising God. Why? Because I want the presence of God. I want to attract the presence of God. It says if you'll bow low in his presence, he will eventually exalt you. And as you leave the timing in his hands. Woo, buddy. How many of you struggle with that? I do. Leave the timing, his timing, his rhythm. Verse 7, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave it there. So this is what happens in church. We have this moment where I go, okay, let's, let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to him about what we're stressing out with. And we go, God, I'm really stressed out about my job. But you know what happens when church gets done? We go, okay, let's take this stress and we're going we're gonna to keep it. And God said, no, I want you to talk to me about it. I want you to leave it here. And then I want you to go and know that I'm for you. I want you to leave and have peace. I want you to talk to me. This is what God's saying in 1 Peter chapter 5. He's saying, listen, I want you to talk to me in the car. I want you to talk to me when you're alone. I want you to talk to me when you're at your desk at work and you're stressed out. I want you to talk to me about everything in this life because I care about it. And I want to know about it. And it says this. For he always tenderly cares for you. God always cares for you and what's going on in your life. Point number two is this. The second thing that we struggle with in this area is this. My flesh is not submitted to the kingdom of God. Meaning this, that I have a spirit man and I have a flesh, right? And my spirit sometimes, you know, we're in worship, we're in the presence of God, and we're like, man, God is for me. I want to do God's will for my life. But you still have a flesh you're fighting, right? It's like when you get saved and you're like, yes, Jesus is Lord of my life, but you're like, man, I still want to get hammered, right? Let's just be real. Why? Because you have flesh. And your flesh has always dealt with stress and pain through alcohol, Right? So you're fighting a flesh, even though the spirit's going, no, I want to help you understand how to deal with the stress and the pain without alcohol so that I can be sufficient for you. Amen? Wouldn't that be nice? That Jesus could meet our needs instead of a box of wine? Amen? So sometimes in this life, our flesh isn't submissive. John chapter 15, it says, I am the true sprouting vine. This is Jesus saying this, that I am the vine. And the farmer who tends, meaning God the Father who tends our life, the vine is in my Father. Verse 2. 
he cares for the branches connected to me. Okay, so we're here today to be connected to Jesus, right? Are you the branches that he cares for then? Yes, God cares about you individually. It says, by lifting and propping them up, the fruitless branches, meaning this, that there are areas in your life that are not bearing fruit, okay? Every single one of us have something like this in our life. Something in our life that's not bearing fruit. Maybe it's an attitude. Uh, maybe it's, um, you know, a frustration. Maybe it's an addiction. And God says, I'm going to lift those branches up. I'm going to prop those branches up for you, okay? And then it says this, and pruning. God the Father comes to prune some of the things in our life. So sometimes when we feel the Holy Spirit and we feel conviction, we're like, oh, God's so angry at me. And it's not true at all. It's the Holy Spirit going, I need to prune this because I love you because there's no life and there's no victory and I want you to find life. It says he prunes every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. So even sometimes where you have life, and I remember feeling this when we first moved uh, to this area, I remember the Lord told me to double our tithe. <laughs> double. I was like, come again, God? Like, like, we've been faithful in this area. And God was like, no, I want, I want you to be more faithful. I want, we're going to double this. And I remember I told Jess, and she was like, yeah, whatever the Lord wants. And I was like, all right, we're going we're gonna to go for this. And we just, we doubled it. What was this? It was God going, this is a fruitful branch, and I'm even going to trim back the fruitful branch because I want to bring even more. I want even more. I want to bring more to you because you can't outgive God. Amen? So God's always working and trimming and pruning. Verse 5 says this, Okay. I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. We are the branches of God. As you live in union with me as the source, faithfulness will stream from you. But when you live separate from me, you are powerless. Okay? So sometimes we are powerless in life. Why? Sometimes it's just a lack of knowledge. Right? Remember when I talked about how I didn't know how to manage my finances? It's just nobody ever taught me. It sounds so simple. But like nobody ever sat me down and was like, hey, you need to pay the bill. Because if you don't pay the bill, the collection officer will come and they will force you to pay the bill. Okay? That sounds so simple in this life, but literally nobody taught me that when I was growing up. So what did I need? I just needed somebody in this life to come beside me and go, hey, I'm going to teach you some things. So sometimes we're powerless just because we have a lack of truth. We don't know what the Word of God says. We don't know what the Bible says. And so we have a lack of truth. And we need somebody to come close to us and show us truth. Sometimes we're powerless in an area because we just don't have wisdom. You know, it's like if I'm going to get wisdom about health and healing, I'm going to find Brenda Chenoweth in our church. She's not here today. They, her daughter just had a baby. She's up in Michigan celebrating with her daughter. But Brenda Chenoweth has a revelation and understanding about health and healing that is far beyond even what I have. So if I need a revelation about health and healing, who am I going to get close to? Brenda Chenoweth. If I need a revelation about finances right now, who do I get close to? I get, Drew to, I get close to Drew and Farrah Keller. They just have an unbelievable 
revelation of finances. You know, if, if I need a revelation of how to, you know, if I want to start a business, I'm going to find Zach. Zach's going through it right now. Zach has a mind for starting business. So sometimes it's just I need to get close to somebody. Maybe I'm powerless that way. Or maybe I'm powerless because I'm just not spending time with Jesus. Like, I just don't spend time with him. And so I'm really, really struggling with my attitude because the Holy Spirit just, I'm just not giving the Holy Spirit a lot of time to manage my soul. Or maybe I'm powerless because what? I just haven't yet yielded. Okay? So I need to help you understand this. In church, this happens all the time. People go, I know that. Right? So we can talk about, you know, um, let's talk about the story of Jesus crossing the water with the disciples. In the middle of the, the, of the lake, they get into a huge storm. And Jesus comes and he saves them and they get to the other side. We go, oh, yeah, I know that story. I've heard that story from the time I was a kid. Okay. But maybe you've heard the story, but yet you still don't have revelation in your own soul about the story. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit hasn't brought real truth where you go, oh, I totally get this. So now when I am in the storm and I am in the middle of the lake and I am freaking out and I don't know how I'm going to get to the other side, I am okay. Why? Because I know the story and I have revelation in my soul. And at that moment that you are surrendered to the word of God, you become what? Powerful. Powerful. You should walk with a confidence in this life because of what God has told you, what God has promised you. This is his word. This is his truth. If the word of God doesn't work, then God's not real. Right? The word of God, if, listen, if I tithe and I get broker and broker and broker and broker, God's not real. Amen? Can I get an amen? God is faithful to his word. Point number three is this. Worship team, you guys can come up. Is this, okay? Point number three is just hell-sent demonic activity. Hell-sent demonic activity. Listen, sometimes some of the strife you're dealing with in your marriage, it's just hell-sent demonic activity. And we're trying desperately to figure out why we're struggling in our marriage. We're trying desperately to figure out why we're struggling, you know, to get along. And and why are we yelling at each other? And why are we frustrated with each other all the time? And sometimes it's just hell-sent demonic activity. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this. Be well-balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, There's an enemy of your soul. Now, we're not called to be in fear of him. Now, I think we all have grown up with like, you know, enough horror movies or enough, you know, scary, you know, things we saw on TV or we went to a haunted house or something that when we think of the devil or we think of demonic things, we're like, oh, buddy, I don't want to, I don't want to touch that. Like, I don't don't want anything to do with that. That's, That's scary stuff. I'm scared. But the reality is we have an enemy of our soul. We have an enemy of your marriage. You have an enemy of your finances. You have an enemy of your job. You have an enemy of anything that God is wanting to bring victory in life in your soul. It says we have an enemy that roams around 
meaning that he's prowling around like a lion looking for its prey to devour. But it said it's like a lion, not a lion. The devil's like a little kitten, okay? Now, sometimes he'll have a really big growl. Sometimes he'll bring a really big fright. You know, a friend of ours in uh, Colorado a few weeks ago, their son went on a mission trip to Africa. He came back with a disease in his blood. He's laying in a bed. His organs are shutting down. It's a big growl, right? It's a big moment. And we all face moments like this. We're looking at life and we're going, God, what's going on? This doesn't make sense. I sent my son on a mission trip to Africa to be a blessing to your kingdom. And he came back with a disease in his blood? God, what's happening? It's a big fright. It's a big scare. And God goes, it's okay. I got this. Remember, I had victory over all sickness. I had victory over all disease. I got this. Just trust me. Just put your hope in me. Just stand with me. My favorite picture of him in the hospital is his son is just laying there and he's just out and he's swollen. His organs are swollen. His body is swollen. But Sean... Sean took the word of God and wrote it out on cards and taped it all around his bed and taped it all around his room. Why? Because the word of God doesn't fail. The word of God is strong, it's mighty, it's powerful. The word of God leads us to victory. The word of God, the word of God. Four days later, he left the hospital. Four days later, totally well. Four days later, no sickness, no disease, nothing in his body. Listen, I don't know what deficiency you have in your life today, but God knows, God cares, and there's a word of God to bring you victory in life. Amen? I want you to stand this morning. I want you to close your eyes and pray for you. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
fulfill your heart the way the Lord will. He loves you. He is so passionate about you. He cares so deeply about you. You are His. You never, ever find your identity in some boy. You find your identity in who Jesus has called you to be. Amen? Okay? Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Hallelujah. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, Jesus, we praise you. Hallelujah, King of Kings. Mighty, mighty King. Glory to your name, Jesus. Glory. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to take that deficiency. I want you to take that lack. I want you to verbalize it to the Lord right now. Just tell him whatever the lack is, whatever the deficiency is. Just come on, speak it out. Speak it out. Speak it out. last week, fear is a robber of what God wants to do in your life. And I can feel fear coming against you right now. Attacking your mind, attacking your soul. But that's from hell. That is not God's best for you. Father, we Plead the blood of Jesus upon your people right now in Jesus' name. Fear, I speak to you, and I command you in the name of Jesus to leave them alone in Jesus' name. To leave their thought life alone, to leave their heart alone in Jesus' name. We release truth from heaven. That you are for your people. You are not against them. You love them deeply, and you want them to succeed in Jesus' name. So, Father, we thank you Thank you for victory. Now, this is what I want you to do. Whatever that lack is, whatever that lack is, I want you to renounce it right now. If it's a lack of finance, say, I, I rebuke this lack of finance in my life. If it's a lack of grace, if it's a whatever lack, I want you to renounce it. Say, I renounce this. I renounce it off of my life. I do not take ownership. I do not take ownership of this. No longer in Jesus' name.